We're sponsored by Overcast, an independent podcast app that embraces the open world of podcasting instead of locking it down. No premium content, no exclusives, no paywalls. Just a great podcast app for everyone. Get, Get it, it for, for free, free in the, in the app, app Star. Hey. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I wanted to surprise you and start, but our minds are just on the same wave. Like, what was that? A hog? Was that, uh, was that a it's, hog? It was in honor of this episode called My Husband the Pig. I was trying to be a little, <laughs> little piggy. Can I tell you something? Tell me everything. I think this is the first episode where I just I just did not look at the title of it. <laughs> <laughs> so I am very shocked. Stephen Sondheim wrote a song called My Husband the Pig. I'll I'll jump ahead a little bit. Yeah, it was a cut song from a Little Night Music. So it was cut from the original production. Okay. Uh, yeah. They love their loopholes. They love to do yeah. like his songs that were in like one showing of a musical that they're like, it counts. We see here Stephen Sondheim wrote this song when he was a mere five years old. <laughs> Puppy Dogs in the Sky with Rainbows, <laughs> Season 7, Episode 4. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, we're Wisteria Gaze. That's who we are. Yeah. I'm Mackenzie. Oh, I'm Ned. I was going to say, like, we, we say who we are, but do we say who we are? Will people ever really know us? Will we ever really know ourselves? Find out this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we're talking about desperate housewives today we are discussing season three episode 16 first episode post the huge mystery being revealed uh how do you feel about it were you, did you like it did you not like it where were you at with this episode um i was confused in the beginning <laughs> um but i am excited i hope that um well, I mean, I, I feel like all of the stuff I want to talk about, I just am talking about the episode. So do you want to finish? Is there any more wrap up? Or Yeah, I got some I got some I got some little thingies at the top. Little fun facts. Yeah, I got to get these fun facts because I know people get, are salivating. Get them out of the way so we can get into the meat and so we can find ourselves on this journey. <laughs> They're foaming at the mouth for my top of show facts. This episode premiered March 4th, 2007, was written by Brian A. Alexander, who I think is a new writer but has no Wikipedia page. Uh or any info so i don't know who this guy is uh but it was directed by larry shaw uh, i mentioned my husband the pig is from a little night music it's a cut song from the original production and for wisteria international uh for in france this was called big deal and in germany okay. it was simply called men are pigs yeah which is hilarious and also accurate <laughs> and now let's we can bite to this meat now now i'm ready to okay. bite the meat oh also wait can i do a little can i do a uh, oh I just realized. Can I do a little pluggy? Yeah. I forgot before we dive in. I started a new pod with my friend yes! Kev. And I have forgotten for weeks to mention it on here. And I was like, I need to mention it on Wisteria Gaze. But my friend Kev and I are doing a little pod project called Austin Danger Podcast. It sounds very stupid, but I think we're going to have a good time. Where basically we are watching movies that are connected to the Austin Powers trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because we both love Austin Powers and we thought, why not? It was basically a bit that turned into a podcast, as all podcasts are, including this one. Yes, including this, this one. This one was also a bit that turned into a podcast. Uh, and so, yeah, I'll link it in our show notes, but check it out. Because yeah. it'd be nice to have some of y'all come over there and talk some movies with me. I want you on eventually. I want you to come hang out. We gotta, we gotta, when a movie comes up that is like pure Ned, I need you yes. on the Yes. Thank you. Can I also plug my new YouTube channel? <laughs> yes, please. Let's do plugs. I it forgot. is. I 
listen, we don't know how long this is going to last. We don't, I, I have, I have a new YouTube channel. A lot of you probably don't know. I've been making videos for a while. Uh, new channel. Horse review. Uh, I'll put the link in the description. <laughs> I talk about video games. I talked about a little bit about heavy rain and just like my experience yeah. playing it. Uh, and I, I, yeah, I just want to talk about some video games. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah! Look at us remembering to plug our personal project. Yes. Woo. And now let's plug somebody else's. Mark Cherry's, to be yes. specific, <laughs> with this episode of Desperate Housewives. We get a Rex monologue. Fucking Rex is back. Here's what I was gonna say. I, I, I would love if the last couple episodes of this season really switched up uh switched it up and and had like a new narrator for each episode and then maybe bring mary alice back for the last one but i think it'd be so fucking fun to just like you have some filler episodes uh just have different people's perspectives and point of views because this episode was interesting i liked it it was cool i really did love the recentering on the men like because mm-hmm. the men have had a lot of like underlying drama throughout the season uh, especially the like Mike Orson Ian triangle of drama that's going on and uh, it was really fun to kind of watch that play out for this episode and also like it kind of does set up some stakes going into this kind of weird amorphous you know kind of we're waiting to get to the end of the season, but the mystery's mm-hmm. already done. Like it's this kind of strange limbo that we're in right now. And uh, I think it set it up some cool stuff up by refocusing on the men actually. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. It, it was really nice to see them treat uh, side characters as actual characters yes. <laughs> other than for- Mike. Other than that, <laughs> and I particularly loved um, that we finally kind of got the teens back as like yeah. major players in their own storylines. Like we we were excited by that, and then it kind of faded, and so it was fun having that back again too. Like this is just a really strong episode. Um, it it just kind of went back to some things we'd been missing in a way I really loved. Yeah, I agree. Everything on the surface is perfect. You know, uh, uh, we get we get Rex talking about. His wife and the lane. He calls Orson a clown, which I love. Yeah, he's like everybody else here likes him. I don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it feels like early season one Mary Alice mm-hmm. in terms of like how she would do a lot of like I just died and I'm looking at these people I left behind and uh, I like that because it feels really active and it feels like they're actively observing. Mm-hmm. Ob- I said observing. <laughs> they're actively observing like what's what's happening at the lane it's kind of cool to feel like the narrator is like actively watching uh, in a way that i thought was fun it's nice that they and granted we may never hear from rex again <laughs> but uh it was nice to know that they hadn't completely forgotten about him yeah it is nice and basically the gist of this is that he's kind of telling us audience about how the Vandicamps specifically have this uh, cool calm collected surface and underneath a lot of drama and he kind of recounts some of the things that the kids have been through and that Bree's been through uh, and they're sending Bree away actually she's going to go visit her parents and then her, Orson's going to join her to go on their honeymoon 
uh, aka Marsha Cross, is uh, in labor yes. and <laughs> having a baby. So they kind of had to get rid of Brie for a bit. And it's I think code honeymoon. the honeymoon totally makes sense. The honeymoon, yeah. like, absolutely was the perfect excuse to get rid of her, honestly. We then get Rex talking about how everybody on the lane seems to really love Orson, except for one person who sees right through him, which is Mike Delfino. Mikey Poo. You liked Mike this episode. You you, you texted me about his voice. I did. There was a this it, 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 it the whole episode this counts, but particularly in the jewelry store, I noticed it. I was like, he's looking good this mm-hmm. episode. He's got his he's scruff looking, back. He's got his scruff. He's wearing these like button ups that I love the way they hang on him. Uh, yeah, Mikey is looking real good this episode. <laughs> and this is honestly, I mean, I know part of it is that he was in a coma for like half yeah. the season, <laughs> but um, this feels like it's the most he's had to do, and I loved it. I actually yeah. loved seeing Mike, uh, like, as in the storyline, in the stakes, having opinions, like, um, falling back in love with Susan. Yes. Oh, I loved this episode so much for Mike. And this is a great Mike moment. I love him. I mean, Orson is growing on me, but not as much as Mike. I loved Mike coming up and shitting on Orson. Oh, yeah. Uh, but Orson immediately says, hey, listen, how about we forget, right? Yeah. Because you pushed me off a building. Which is not true. <laughs> yeah. But um, he has so no evidence, if, if we just forget, we can just be buds from now on. What a manipulative little bit. And Mike's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they have an understanding or an agreement now to, um, same thing, uh, to not say shit. And let's see how long that lasts, because I I feel like there's some, and I'm sorry I'm skipping around a bit, but later when they're playing poker and Mike is like, yeah, some asshole hit me, and Orson's like, ooh, yeah, that's got to come out eventually, right? Like, they're they're building that up to come out. Like, surely Mike's going to find out Orson is who ran him over eventually. Yeah, he has to. They can't just not reveal that. I mean, Uh, here's the thing. It might be. Sorry, I'm like shifting. I need the audience to know that Ned looks like a little spider monkey, like climbing up in the chair. Um, it could be interesting to see if Orson gets away with it, but I don't think he will because it's a drama. Um, yeah. I have seen television, though, where somebody just gets away with getting a murder. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I hope they bring it up again. I think it would be interesting i think it would give orson stakes you know in some way uh not that he doesn't now particularly but like his mystery's over and so like that's kind of the the last like thread of that that is loose for him so who knows i'm on team mike so yeah <laughs> and then we get the opening credits and immediately we come back to orson talking about desperate women uh, wives or husbands and wives, I guess. <laughs> yeah, everybody, all the spouses. Um, he just he keeps talking about how the men of housewives usually are dead inside, aren't we all? <laughs> um, 
that's basically that's basically it he's what he's talking about (laughs) yeah and he talks about carlos specifically he's because he kind of ends up touching much like mary alice used to do on all the ladies he touches on all of his friends individually oh yeah Uh, we begin with carlos who has lost it all he had a hot wife and tons of dough uh and then you know he lost it all Uh, got stuck with the bill (laughs) and yeah and but he doesn't complain he goes on to okay cupid and hits up (laughs) crazy dancer 206 um, Mackenzie, you know he's on Catholics Mingle. <laughs> Farmersonly.com. Uh, I tried to pause to see if there was anything funny in her profile, and there really wasn't. It just Damn. was like Crazy Dancer 206. All of the vowels are out. So it's like Crazy <laughs> Dancer. And all she said was, Girl seeks boy to dance the night away with. And I saw that. Um, she's Caucasian, it said. It said that she's 5'3". She doesn't <laughs> smoke, quote, no way. And she drinks only at parties, quote, unquote. <laughs> uh, those are all the things I saw on her dating profile. It was What's like her, do we get her seconds. name? No. I literally was, like, listening for it. So I just, in my notes, called her Crazy Dancer 206. Whoa. Well, Crazy Dancer 206. <laughs> Lesbian of the episode. Lesbian <laughs> of the episode for not having a name. Yes. <laughs> that's funny. Sometimes you just don't want to be perceived, you know? Yeah, you know, that's me every day of my life. Uh, I forget that Carlos and Mike are roomies. Like, all yeah, the time, I forget they fucking live together. I mean, they're BFFs. They are BFFs. That's the one thing that I never want to, like, end. I don't want it to be like, <laughs> yeah, I was lying. <laughs> yeah, I hope that this just happens forever. Um, but yeah, uh, Carlos wants to set Mike up in a hotel for the night because he wants to have a girl over. Although, yeah, I guess I, I, I was going to ask, like, why couldn't Carlos go to a hotel or something? But I guess he wants like, uh, uh, he might, she might not know he has a roommate. Yeah, she might not know he has a roommate. And maybe like, I feel like getting a hotel room with someone on the first date Mm. feels like. You're sending some sort of message yeah. to the girl. Uh, I think that it makes more sense to like bring, come back to my yeah, place, yeah. as opposed to like let's get a hotel room because then that seems like <laughs> you're having an affair or something. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I understand why he'd want it. I thought it was funny that his excuse was when Mike was like, "I'll just hang out in my room," and Carlos is like, "No, I shriek like a banshee <laughs> when I come." So I need you to, I need you to get out of the house. <laughs> like, can't Mike just like? Go to go to the park for a bit. I don't know. Yeah, Carlos is the most unhinged thing. Where he's like, "Look at her profile, man. Daddy issues at the wazoo. How can you tell someone has daddy issues from their okay Cupid profile?" It must be because she's five three. All all girls under five four have <laughs> have daddy issues. <laughs> I defy the stars because I'm five nine and I have daddy issues. <laughs> um. We then hop over to Tom, uh, and Rex starts talking about how married guys are never really their own boss. They never really have uh, control that way. And we find out that uh, Lynette has canceled their ninth anniversary plans. Why? I mean, well, we find out why. She's tired. She's tired. She wants to sleep. But your anniversary is a big deal. I yeah. guess I'm I'm a Tom. I'm a bit of a Tom. So this whole episode, I was like, yeah, plan it. <laughs> I mean, I think it is like an anniversary is something where it's like, yeah, it, it 
you sh- if if your partner wants to spend time with you like it is your anniversary like make time to spend with your partner that day that's just me <laughs> that's just me no, yeah and i mean the thing is i know that it's like when you're older it gets different right yeah. you've been together for a while it gets different um i i did like this plot i feel like so often uh lynette is always having to like learn things uh and i but i appreciate that she learns like no when you when you've been together this long it doesn't mean you stop mm-hmm. it means you 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 have to try a little harder sometimes but you got to keep it alive and, yeah um yeah but i also understand the want to just have a bath and a night to yourself but you can have that any night you can make the time for that your anniversary is a special day yeah that's really this whole scene lynette just wants to come home give the kids to klusky take a bath go to bed by eight and there we go and then rex introduces ian which i thought was funny because he was like i don't really know this guy <laughs> <laughs> but uh susan likes him yeah uh, i thought it was funny that they had to just write that for rex because of course rex doesn't fucking know who ian is mm-hmm. uh ian brings susan a ring we do get confirmation that this is not mike's ring because I thought it yes. was. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? No, but it's And huge. then like two seconds later, we get <laughs> confirmation. It's not Mike's ring. Uh, but he brings Susan a ring. There's not a really, this isn't major. We see that the ring doesn't fit, mm-hmm. which is uh, a reason why Susan has to go to the jewelers later because Ian's like, go ahead and get it fixed. You know, I want to make sure this fits. It's big. Susan loves it. She's happy. And Ian wants to get married next month. And Susan does not see that as, like, something is going on. (laughs) What a red flag. What a red flag. (sighs) I mean, when you think about it, I mean, what's the precedent? Fucking Orson and Brie also got married after, like, a month. Like, everybody's just getting married. I am, you know, I'm, like, partially engaged right now. I cannot Mm. imagine getting married next month. I would, the over, the amount of overwhelmed I would be. Yeah. Trying to plan a wedding in a month. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Oh, my God. But, I mean, he's rich. He can throw money around. So, probably might. He is really rich. A big deal for him. Uh, I love how Susan said, rock me. <laughs> rock me. Rock she me. She cute, this app. I, I like it when Susan's just chill and cute. Yeah. We then get Mike uh, getting his stuff back from the hospital mm-hmm. because we found out earlier when he was talking to Carlos that they found some of his belongings. As we saw. Yeah. Yes. And so that answers that question from the previous Yes. No I, more confusion. I, as soon as Ian proposed, I was like, <gasps> and then this, I'm glad this cleared it up immediately. Because yes. we see Mike holding the ring and he's like, this can't be mine. Yeah. And when I tell you, my fucking stomach flipped when that woman read the inscription and it was to Susan and like his face when he is like, oh, I was like, because like, he doesn't remember it, mm-hmm. but he does have these feelings for her. And I loved the way he acted that realization of like, oh, I was like in love and love with her. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And like, I just, oh, man, I want Susan and Mike together so bad I could rip my hair out. <laughs> I was screaming when that happened. Uh <sighs> Yeah. I just, I can't, I can't stand it. I did not give a flying fuck about them the first time I watched this series. And this time, I love them so much. (laughs) I can't believe it. It's because, it's because we're watching it with meaning. We're not just binging through it. Exactly. Exactly. I I feel like I'm, oh, I just, I don't know. I just love them. I love their chemistry and I want, oh, yeah, we got to talk at the jewelers later. (laughs) I had butterflies. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. But for now, we have to go to... Carlos and 
Edie. Edie. Um, we meet Edie's this? son, who I thought was going to be older. They mention him. So this is a good follow-up of something they mentioned in season one. We know she has a son, because mm. I think McCluskey mentions him. Like so, like he is mentioned before. Like we know he yeah. exists. So I was like, okay, good on the good on the show for bringing this back. Um, but yeah, I guess I didn't know how old he'd be. But I mean, her age, she's not that old. She's probably in her forties. Yeah. So I guess an eight year old makes sense. Probably had him in her mid thirties. Yeah, Travers. Travers. I I I, th- I did think this. Uh, do you remember Carlos was like really forced and weird? Yeah. Of like him being like, yeah, you trick or treated for me once, and I'm like, what the fuck is this exposition to justify that people know who this kid is? Yeah, this kid looked familiar to me, uh, but I looked at his IMDb and I don't recognize him from anything. He was in all the Night at the Museums. I think he was Ben Stiller's son in those. But that's oh, like the only thing I would know him from, other than this. Yeah. But he looked. Very he did look familiar, familiar to me as well. But I, I also don't know where I know him from. Um, and oh, sorry. But essentially, Edie wants Carlos to watch him because she has a party to go to tonight, and his dad dropped him off with her for like a few months or weeks. Yeah, yeah, a couple weeks, I think, a month or so. Because we get we're getting a lot of Edie lore drop in yeah. this episode out of nowhere. It's like late season three, and they're like, "Should we tell people about who this character? Should we let her have a history and a past?" They're like, uh, "We got uh, we like one more that... season with her." Because uh, I, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> I'm joking. No, I'm joking. Don't manifest that. <laughs> Don't manifest that. Uh, yeah, no. We find out that uh, we later we get his name Charles as her ex husband, I believe, and that he's a doctor, I guess, who works okay. with Doctors Without Borders, and uh, Edie has this peak ed line where she's like he's gonna go you know help kids in africa that selfish bastard <laughs> like you know like like she peak ed line mm. um and so yeah we're getting some ed lore here yeah also have her and carlos ever like had an extended conversation because it felt really weird to see them in the same room um, to me my brain was like confused i was like have these people ever talked before i don't know i feel like they may have talked once but i also did have a prediction during this uh, episode that didn't happen. I thought something was going to happen to his date, and I thought he was going to st- bone Edie because I was like, oh, Edie has a young son, and he really wants to be a dad, and Edie's hot, so Carlos and Edie get together for a bit. <laughs> Dude, if I wanted to be a dad and Edie was around, yes, I would be like, can I fucking be your kid's stepdad, please? Excuse me? And also make sweet, sweet love to you every day of my life. <laughs> um... But yeah, uh, Carlos. I like watching you react when I talk about wanting to fuck Edie. Like, I like watching your face just like, oh, <laughs> That is that entire scene. Carlos says, no, I have to bone down tonight. See ya. Can't babysit. And then we whoosh over to Gabby Solis. Gabby, what was her name? Pre Solis. What was her? We don't have a maiden name for her, I don't think. Actually, okay, then Gabby. I think, I think she still is Gabby Solis. Cool. I mean, some women keep their, you know, their married name just Listen, for. It's a pain in your but... ass to change your name, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't blame her. Um, yeah, someone I'm sure will tell us if I'm wrong, which I'm sure I am, but I don't know if we know at least yet her maiden name. But uh. um, okay, so we have Gabby. She looks great. Lesbian of the episode nominee, Fit Watch, please. She Fit looks Watch. good. This is. This is her best fit in a hot oh, second. Yeah. Like, she looks great in this dress. Hot Gabby's back. 
Also, the restaurant this guy is walking out of, by the way, we meet a man named Victor Lang in mm-hmm. this scene. It is the grimiest looking restaurant I've ever seen. That door is like rusted. The paint is chipping off. Like, wh- what was this location that they <laughs> there scouted? There was a storm last It is so week. ugly. Really fucked it up. It is like up. so ugly. Um, can I tell you? Um, I have some I have a, some friends who do a podcast called The Synonauts. Uh, great podcast. recommend it. Uh, they normally watch through the Criterion Collection, but uh, lately they've been watching all of Sex in the City because they wanted to watch mm-hmm. it. So I've been watching Sex in the City. And not only is Kyle MacLachlan in that, oh, wow. by the way, very, as a very major character, he marries one what? of the women in Sex and the City. Yeah. He's like, he did that like right before he came to uh, oh, wow. Housewives. But this guy is in it. The guy that plays Victor Lang. He's also a politician in that. And his quirk is that he wants to be peed on. Hell yeah. <laughs> he's into like water sports in Sex and the City. Oh my God. Uh, and so it was just like a whiplash. I was like, is this the same character? Because he plays a politician in both of those <laughs> things. Um, but that made me laugh. So, yeah, uh, basically, Victor uh, sees Gabby, sees her car, and is like, yeah, I'm going to be creepy. Has his driver run into her car so he has an excuse to talk to her. And then sort of just does this weird, like, tries to hit on her by dropping who he is, that he's running for mayor. We find out he can cut her a check for 5K. It, like that he's trying to pull his moves and gabby is unimpressed mm. but thank he God. is set on seeing her again because she takes that check she leaves but later she'll find out he didn't sign it she will indeed we then go to juliet the car wash juliet the car whoa, wash whoa. yeah Austin gets in. I loved the the bit of the scene where he's like, read my letter. I love you, Julie. And she's like, okay, get out of my car. And he's like, but we're in the car wash. And she's like, I don't care. Get out. <laughs> yeah, that was really funny. And also, I loved that. I was like, queen. Yeah. Queen, queen, queen. Oh, yeah. That's that whole scene. There's, there's a lot of quick scenes in succession in this one. Yes, absolutely. Because we get a very tiny moment here where Andrew's knocking on the bathroom door trying to get ready to go to work. Danielle's weeping, won't come out. And it's like five seconds where she just walks out. She's like, I'm pregnant. And then that's like the whole yeah. scene. <laughs> she, she's pregnant. Prognoise. <laughs> um, we then go to the jewelry store. Mike is uh, getting the ring appraised so he can return it and get some money back. And Susan shows up to get the ring resized. The tension in this scene. Is that the... Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was so... Like, the tension in this scene was so good, especially when the woman's like, yeah, there's an engraving, so we can't do it. And Mike is, like, wanting to crawl out of his skin. He's like, please shut up. And also when the woman's just like, I can't find my sizing rings. Let's just try this one. And then puts Mike's ring on Susan. <laughs> that was so stupid. Like that like, what, that makes no sense why she'd be like, well, when I can't find my sizer, I just put random rings on people until I see what fits. <laughs> like what? Um, but, oh boy, oh boy. The way Mike looked at her when she like put the ring on and it fit perfectly and they looked at each other i was like mm-hmm. it was the sweetest fucking thing i've ever seen i was i was truly like floating off the ground it was it was just really i was so endeared i was like fuck you two are so in love with each other i cannot stand it Jeez. how can she like look at mike that way and ever think that ian can compare to him like 
the way she looks at him, she has never looked at Ian that way. Are you kidding me? She's just, she's just dumb. <laughs> I need Muzan. I need it. I need it injected, injected into my heart. Carlos and Tom are not at the jewelry store. They're not. Uh, they're just kind of hanging out. Tom goes up to Carlos asking if he has a guy or a relative in the limo business. And Carlos is like, that means he's in jail. <laughs> uh, yes. And Tom starts talking about his plans for tonight. What he wants to do with Lynette. He wants to have a limo pick her up, drop her off into the middle of the woods, have a guy come out with a machete, chase her around <laughs> for a few hours. And then, you know. Tom will decapitate him and they'll kiss. And that's it. They fuck in the woods. We didn't say this earlier and we can cut this now. But there is a moment where Tom in the beginning is like, what about my sex? My sex? Do I get my sex? And then Lynette's like, just try not to wake me up. Like that is a line that happens. That is grody. (laughs) That's super grody. And also that's. I feel like that's a TV husband thing where yes. it's like, I get my sex once a year. Uh, but we have seen in many, many episodes that fucking. Tom and Lynette actually have a very healthy sex life. Yeah. Like, they're not fucking every day, but they, like, seem to at least have sex, like, a, once a week at least. Like, mm-hmm. they seem to have a very uh, healthy and normal sex life. So that was actually kind of out of place for me in the beginning of the episode. But mm-hmm. whatever. And the backup plan, if the machete doesn't work out, is that when she gets into the woods, he'll pick her up in a horse-drawn carriage, mm, yeah. take them to a catered dinner, then the sex happens. He's excited about this plan. It's it's very sweet, uh, yeah. and that's kind of the, that whole scene. We cut to Victor Lang in a meeting, uh, but Gabby shortly walks in, and he dismisses everybody else, and he wants to take Gabby out to dinner. She is so confident mm. in this scene. Like, she is the most confident flirter I've ever... Like, this dress has, like, transformed her. Yeah. Uh, not that she's not always confident, but, like, she just was very, like, witty and sharp this episode. I love single Gabby. Uh, I do, too. I don't want her to get locked down. Like, it's nice to see her dating again, but uh, single Gabby is, is feisty, and I love them. Mm-hmm. And, like, I don't like this guy, <laughs> <laughs> but it is yeah. it is nice to see her interact with somebody who gives off of like the same kind of vibes as her. Yeah. You know, like they 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 play off of each other pretty well. Yeah, Sorry. they definitely feel like <laughs> you're good. <laughs> Ned is now wrapping themselves in a blanket like a little cocoon. <laughs> I love this. You're, you're going to be my little butterfly. <laughs> Thank you. Um. I'm trans. Are, are you trying to? That's fucked up. Is that because I'm trans? <laughs> Butterflies are a trans allegory. You know what I mean? You oh, go yeah. in the cocoon, you come at a new person. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it is fun. It is fun to see her dating a bit with someone who she can kind of intellectually spar with uh, as, opposed to, as opposed to physically spar like she did with Carlos. Uh, yes. So, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was good. I think I wrote this down wrong because I think I wrote Ian tries to give Mike money, but it's the opposite, right? Yeah. We so Mike, this next scene. Yeah, Mike hands Ian a check, and Ian goes, "You know, I did this out of like not to be repaid. Like, you don't have to do this. This was a favor." And Mike says, "No, I don't like owing people anything. So here, take your money." Yeah. And, and then uh, he said, "I had to return a ring." 
And then uh, Ian mentions the inscription. Like, oh, that's, I I guess you couldn't get the, or he's like, yeah, I couldn't get the full amount. And then Ian says, oh, because of the inscription. And, you know, maybe that's why Susan likes him, because he's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking, I fucking like flew out of my seat. I was like, oh my God, you motherfucker, you, you screwed up. Mike immediately was like, excuse me? Mike is smart as fuck. He immediately clocked that, and Ian was like, "Gonna go get into some new rags." Eh? I um, I'm excited to get into evil Ian territory. <gasps> that's later. Because I, mean, we're seeing I, later. I have um, a theory about later. I'm pumped to hear it. Also, I want to say we got compliments on our terrible British accents when we impersonate Ian. So yes. Thank you. Biscuits. Uh, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Bangers and mash. You know. um, All I was, right. <laughs> oh, thank you. I was watching a lot of Austin Powers recently. Yeah, baby. Uh, yeah, baby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were watching. Oh, me, me, my, we were talking about Goldmember on our Austin Powers podcast. Uh, and we were talking about how Austin calls a penis a meat and two veg. And uh, I can't stop thinking about uh, meat and two veg. But speaking of meat and two veg, Danielle is telling Austin <laughs> that uh, she's pregnant, and he is like, "Could could you get an abortion? Would that be would that be cool?" And like, that's not an unreasonable thing to throw out there. When but it is for TV. Literally teenagers. It is for TV. <laughs> you're right, and we I think we did we talk about it already that like this show we... specifically was very like anti showing abortions. Yeah, I, I think. think we did. I think we've talked about it yes. more outside. So if you want to just like. Uh, no, talk about yeah, it a little I think, bit I think that'll be alright yeah well the reason why Gabby had a miscarriage I think we talked about it around that storyline mm-hmm. was because like that they, they didn't want to show an abortion like they like ABC would not let them write that into the storyline and there's going to be storylines including this one this one and some other um, storylines later in the series that like kind of are like it, it is obvious that like it would make the most sense for Danielle to get an abortion mm-hmm. um, for her age who she is uh, because she has money and can take care of herself and can pay for it, uh, but they don't write that because ABC was like really adamant about not showing abortion. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so she shoots that down immediately, and she's like, "You should just marry me," which is wild to say. Like, no, Danielle, he's not gonna fucking marry you. <laughs> yeah. And right at that moment, Danielle starts getting some sickness, so she goes to the bathroom, and Julie comes in, ready to take Austin back. But they gotta take it slow, because she has to figure out if she can still trust him. I love her. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I love love Queen Julie. I think it's sweet. I really wish we could have seen the letter, or seen her read it, or Mm. heard it in some way. Like, I would have loved to know what the letter says. she cried. She cried. I want to know what the letter says. Like, I would have loved it if it was. Oh, you know what I wish we got? What? Like a scene of, like, Julie post-reading it, like, talking to Susan. Yeah. And being like, Mom, like, this is he said these things, and, like, I feel like I want to do a second chance. And Susan, who is queen of second chances, I think would have been a sweet kind of encouragement of just, like, you know, like, I don't like what he did to you, but if you really love this guy, like, You've got to try. And then it would have given, and then if Susan says those words, if you really love this guy, you've got to go for it. It makes her think about Mike. Mm. Like, that could have been a cool scene. Yeah, that could have been a cool scene. I'm going to, I'm going to send my notes to Mark Cherry <laughs> and hopefully they can add that in. They got into the reboot. Yeah, yeah. Like, Thank God. They can add that in. Uh, but yeah, 
I thought this was cute. I think it's sweet that Julie wants to give him. I don't hate Austin. I think it was shitty that he cheated, mm-hmm. but um, he's a bad boy with a heart it, of gold. It's uh, it, I'm getting by the end of this episode. I don't think we're gonna see it, uh, but I would have loved to see them um work things out and yeah. maybe grow a bit as characters. Uh, but I don't know if we're gonna. Maybe he'll come back one day. He won't. I want him to. So we go to Gabby and Victor at dinner. And she, uh, she's stuffed, you know. Uh, <laughs> and he said that he wants her. And she's like, listen, I know that you want me. You've been working me from the moment we met since the moment you had your car driver run into my car, okay? It's yes. never going to happen, buddy. <laughs> and he's like, I underestimated you. Like, he think- he's like, oh, she's smart. Yeah. And it's like, fuck off, you dummy. <laughs> Uh, I love Gabby being flirty Gabby. I was going to say, like, I do, like I said before, I don't like, oh, I'm going to chase you until you do want me. But she also, like, she's into him. She is. And so, like, I, 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 I like the dynamic because, like, I like her being challenged a little bit. Because usually she is the pursuer. And I like her getting pursued by somebody she's into. You know? And he's rich as fuck. Yeah. We Which need is... Gabby in some hot fits again. <laughs> yes. we, need, we need we need rich Gabby back. Um he said he's gonna marry her, so second one second husband, second husband alert. Second husband. Oh, Gabby is absolutely number one contender to be married multiple times. Are you kidding me? Oh, yeah. I think okay, here's the thing. Um Gabby's definitely gonna get married multiple times. During the show, we still have more seasons. I think she'll we end do. up back with Carlos mm, at the end. That's a prediction corner prediction. But I think she'll like be with a couple different people between. Ooh, I can't wait. Yeah. Speaking of Carlos, we do cut to Carlos's date with Crazy Dancer 206, whose name we literally never skip. Yes. Uh, she has great legs. I can tell she's a dancer because her legs are uh, amazing. I don't know if you noticed, but like they're very tanned, very long. Uh, but he. They're making out, and he spots Travers outside just playing basketball on the dark street by himself. Yeah. It's like when the babies were out in the road, and McCluskey was like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Um, and he, she's trying to fuck, because her therapist says she's sexually compulsive. Uh, it could take hours. <laughs> when he's like, I want to help you work out all your issues. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to throw up everywhere. Uh, but he cannot suppress his paternal urge to help this child yes. who is in the road. Yeah, because it's like 1130 at night. <laughs> Literally. I love how Travers is like probably watching fucking Pokemon and then like was like, I got to go fucking ball with my bros right now. I got to ball. Yeah. I got to go outside and ball right now. Because Austin. Um, oh, yeah. I guess like Austin could be at work or something. Yeah, because I was about to say, it would have made sense if Austin was home watching him. Yeah, he might be busy. He might be dealing with Danielle pregnancy. <laughs> yes, that and also, you're right, like the, um, and if Andrew couldn't go into work, he probably had to go in, probably mm-hmm. a whole a whole mess of things. Um, but he basically goes and gets Travers, and she gets mad and leaves. Yeah. She didn't sign up She's to like, babysit. She signed up to bone down. Yeah. I did like Travers eating his little ice cream and being like, sorry, I messed up your date. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was really, it was, it was sweet. I thought that was cute. Um, we then go to. An intense interaction. An intense interaction between Edie and Carlos. Right? 
Yeah. So Edie, uh, Edie, Edie gets home. She's drunk. She sees a note on her door that says, I have your son, Carlos. <laughs> she goes over. I have your son. Bring a million dollars. And he's fucking pissed. Edie, obviously drunk, says, you know, I just stepped out for an hour. And Carlos said, that's cool because I found him in the street three hours ago. And he calls her and- bad mom. That's a low blow. Yeah. I don't think it's right what she did. No. I think that it's it's not great, but that's a low fucking blow. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I have like many thoughts and feelings about this. One uh, main one is I love Edie getting a plot. <laughs> yeah. Um but two, I I do think that this is interesting and I want them to dig into it more. Yeah. Because all of the moms that we see, the ladies, the main ladies, they're all like super moms, mm-hmm. right? And even though they have their struggles, they're all like very good moms. They're all established. They're pretty set. Well, Susan, um, and- good mom or? <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what I mean? In general, yeah. like Julie's a good kid. Like they all kind of have their shit together and um, they don't have a mom that's like this. And like th- like this mom feels like my mom. My mom had me really young mm-hmm. and she also had to do a lot of growing up. And clearly Edie also has a lot of growing up to do. And so like. I actually kind of love this because it feels like it's complicated and it's it's not a portrayal of motherhood you often see, but it is one that feels more honest to at least the experiences I've had. Mm-hmm. And so like, and we can even talk about it. I thought about it more in the next scene, which because we cut immediately kind of to the next day, right? With Edie coming back to get mm-hmm. um, Travers because Carlos is like, no, he's going to stay the night because he's asleep. Just come get him in the morning. Yeah. And we basically immediately cut to that. And I really loved this Edie scene because I, I thought, one, it shows that when you give Nicolette Sheridan lines she's good at them she is good (laughs) like she's a good actress they just never give her anything and then too yeah i just i don't really we don't often see this type of motherhood Mm -hmm. and i kind of would love them to unpack this with Edie and like help her grow into being a better mom like i would love to see that Mm -hmm. i hope that that is her plot for this season um so those are my feelings about this scene. Yeah, I agree. I would love to see more Edie. Like I said, they got it for one last season. Let's. <laughs> I'll stop saying that. I'm not going to manifest that anymore. <laughs> You're manifesting. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. That it... <laughs> You're manifesting this thing that came out <laughs> 15 years ago. Um, um. But Edie says a really good line here that kind of set me into this thought process when she's like, people assume that when people when women are bad moms that they're just complete failures mm-hmm. and they're horrific people and i think it's just a lot more complicated than that and i agree because not all people are fit for for parenthood mm-hmm. and sometimes you don't realize that until after you're a parent yeah and it's like really hard to like admit that um and i think that i love this monologue when Edie's like i knew i couldn't take care of him so i gave his dad custody and like i think that just makes me realistic about who i am mm-hmm. and i agree i think that like if the best thing she could have done for her son was give him to his dad, then she did the right thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just interesting. I loved this. I was like, fuck, yes, give Nicolette Sheridan more to do. Yeah. We then cut to the restaurant. Really getting use out of this new set piece. <laughs> they are. They <laughs> built that set in there and said, we're going to fucking be there every episode, mm-hmm. baby. Uh, and Tom lets it slip that he plans something for their anniversary and Lynette gets pissed yeah because she's like i don't have a gift i I was looking forward to just relaxing and xyz 
And I, Tom broke my heart here because he was like, I was looking forward to being with yeah. you. Yeah. And I was looking forward to being having something special for our anniversary. But uh, I guess not. And it makes me sad. Mm-hmm. And then we go to Orson trying to leave for his honeymoon. But someone's having a baby. <laughs> Andrew going, this particular problem could wait like nine months even. And that's like how he says it. That was that was, that was great. Uh, and that's that whole scene. Yeah, literally. Because then we cut to Kaluski at the house. I love how she's playing war with Kayla. Yeah. I oh, that was Kayla. I thought that was war. Penny. Penny was in her lap, and then Kayla was who was playing cards with her. So she was with the girls. Oh, okay. She was with the girls. The girls. I used to play war with my babysitter all the time. She like taught it to me and I thought it was the f- most fun game of all oh, time. Yeah. And cause I love slapping the cards when I won. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, I was also, so I just was like shot back to my own childhood seeing Kayla playing war Hell yeah. with her babysitter. Yeah. Fun card game. Um, <laughs> Twitch stream war. <laughs> <laughs> we become war. Streamers. Yes. Lynette is complaining about the situation. And then there's a ding-dong. Ding-dong. We don't see who it is yet, but we can kind of assume. I know that that's not a very uh, in-depth description of what goes on in that scene, but that's what happens. (laughs) That is. I mean, like, it's it's really just, like, like Lynette complaining and then Klusky being like, "Um, it's actually maybe not a bad thing that your husband cares about you. And then (laughs) Lynette's like, what? And then that's the whole scene. Uh, And then we go back to the future. Uh, and we meet Orson, Austin, Danielle, and Austin, and they are all talking about what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is Danielle's going to take a little trip. She's going to come on the honeymoon with Orson and Bree. And uh, it's like a little sabbatical, you know, and it's like she's going to a new school. Um, she's going to study abroad for a bit. Yeah, yeah, she just needs to be abroad. I hope we get some solo Andrew stuff going on. I hope we get an Andrew episode. Holy shit, that'd be awesome. You just got so excited. I mean, he's going to be literally living there alone I, for like Do you remember weeks? if we get an Andrew episode? Cuz I don't care if that's Not a spoiler. Top of my head. Oh, fuck. I mean, he's working at the at the pizza parlor and he's going to have the house to himself for presumably like a month. So I feel like we've got to get some Andrew shit. Please. Uh, we've got to. And also, I don't understand this. Uh, I guess I understand that they want to take Danielle away and, like, have her have the baby secretly and then, like, adopt it out. Like, that's very soap opera-y, very mm-hmm. Vandekamp of, like, we're just going to go away and then lie about why we were gone. But I don't understand why Austin has to leave. Like, why is he, like, and then you're going to leave. You are going to be a homeless teen. You're not even going to talk to your aunt about it. You're just going to fucking leave. Like, why? Why does he have to leave? I don't understand. Like, if they all just agree never to talk about it and move on with their lives, I don't understand why Austin has to, like, I guess, completely like, go away. they personally don't want any reminders or anything. I don't know either. They might just want things to just be really quiet. Um, it feels like they have no real power over forcing him to go. I mean, what? What, what the worst they could do is tell Julie, and then that would suck, but he could still stay. I don't know. I just don't understand why he had... This is the one part that was confusing to me. I just didn't understand why he had to leave. But they they wouldn't even tell Julie. They might have been afraid that, like, maybe Austin would tell Julie, and then it, word would get out. That yeah. would be the only reason. Because if Austin yeah. really wanted to start a new leaf, like, who's to say that 
he tells Julie, like, hey, this thing happened, but it's being taken care of. And then who's to say Julie doesn't tell somebody else? Yeah, and they definitely don't want things getting mm-hmm. out. That's the Vandekamp way. Ugh, frustrating, because I really wanted Austin to, like, grow, and yeah. I wanted him and Julie to have a storyline, and it sucks that it just seems like it's not going to happen. Yeah, but instead, he has to get gaslighted, gate-kept, and girl-bossed by Andrew in the kitchen, because... <laughs> Austin doesn't want to leave. And he's like, I'm not going to fucking do that. And so Andrew goes up to him and goes, you're not good enough for Julie. You're a dog. You're going to cheat on her. (laughs) Andrew being like, you're not good enough for her, but you're perfectly suitable for me. Yeah. Hello. (laughs) I love dogs. Uh, That was hilarious. Also, when is Andrew going to have another boyfriend? That's That's why I want an Andrew episode. Yeah, we need we need Andrew dating again. We we need that more than we need anything in the world. <laughs> in in the time we need most, we need Andrew to date. Um, we are we are uh, Captain America or whatever, just bruised and battered, and the little portal opens up in Endgame, and it's Andrew making out with a boy. And that's 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 the, the what comes to save us. Yeah, um, that's that scene, and then we cut to a quick poker night is happening. The Boys are coming in. Tom had to invite Susan, or not Susan, Tom had to invite, Tom had to invite Ian because Susan made him. (laughs) And we just get them coming in because then we cut to Austin saying goodbye to Julie. Made me sad. Because Julie looks so sad. So then I'm sad. And like Austin starts talking about how she was the only person to ever give him a second chance. And he has to go because it's family stuff and he doesn't know when he's going to be back. But yeah, I, I just, I'm glad I that I was way more sad about this than I thought I would be. Yeah. I don't want him to leave, but I am happy no. that he, I'm happy that he had the experience of like her giving him that second chance to know that he is worth second chances. Yeah. I, I, like, I worry I, I, about where he's going to live. I don't know. I just yeah. I hope he's okay. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. And we cut back to just beef well, they, central. They, oh, sorry. They get a little goodbye kiss. I just wanted to mention that. Oh, just a nice little do. send off. They get a little kissy and then we go to beef central. All the, <laughs> all these dudes have beef with each other and it's just fucking hilarious. The tension is wild and Mikey Poo has had like a cocktail and a half and he is ready to stir the pot in front of everybody. He says, let me get my wooden spoon out, dip it into this pot. I'm going to turn a turn a turn. And he's like, yeah, Ian, interesting that you proposed as soon as you saw my ring and knew I was planning to propose. Interesting. Interesting timing there. Interesting. And it was just I loved it. Mike is a messy bitch who loves drama. Yeah. I love it. I love the like one shot of Carlos looking like he's like eating popcorn, like looking back and forth. It was very funny <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, and we also find out in the scene that Ian's pretty good at poker. Yes. Well, they said that they were gonna teach him. But he's just oh, like yeah. naturally good at it. Like what the fuck? I ever. think he counts cards. There is no way Ian is naturally good at anything. Yeah, like, I think he's cheating. Like, I think, like, that's my theory. I think that Ian's cheating at cards. He's gotta be. There's no fucking way he won that much. Are you kidding me? Tom gets a call from the limo guy that's like, oh, I'm gonna be a little bit late picking you guys up because I got a flat, but I'll be there. And and Tom is like, I um fully canceled this. Like, what? 
And then Tom is like, I, I got to go get Lynette because Lynette is like stranded in the middle of nowhere now. So he leaves and then mm-hmm. we, we stay with this poker scene though for now. Uh, because yes. yeah, Mike threatens Ian to tell Susan about the ring stuff and they kind of have this little pissing contest. So Ian makes a proposal. They keep raising each other. You know, um, Ian eventually puts down the check that Mike gave him. Lord. And Mike says, you know, I can't pay that. And Ian says, well, if you can't pay it, if I win, you leave us alone forever. And if you win, you can tell Susan whatever you want. Mike has a really good hand. He has a really good hand. What the fuck could Ian have had? Aces? Just all aces? Like, I don't understand because we we don't even see in that moment who wins, but we do immediately see it was Ian because it cuts to Susan answering the door and Ian saying, I won. Uh, so what the His fuck, His face? Ian? Like, I know you just said he always looks so smarmy, but yeah, like, he just looks so... Uh, I hate him slimy. so much. What's your theory? You said you had a theory about evil Ian. My theory was that he was cheating at cards. Oh, okay, okay, okay. No, yeah. I could see that. I yeah. am mad. I don't like him. I don't like him. No, neither do I. Never liked him. Something doesn't sit right with me. I think he hustled all of them. Yeah. Maybe he got his money. <laughs> how do? How did he get his money? Yeah, truly. <laughs> and um, we... Ooh. Tom is... Tom arrives to get Lynette. She is freezing. She's pissed. They head to a diner that I assume is close by, but so that she can get some coffee and warm up. And I really like this scene. And can I can I tell you my truth? Mm-hmm. I cried. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know what happened. I just was watching the two of them, and he, you know, he kicks himself and he's like, I shouldn't have even done this. And Lynette, rightfully so, is like, you know, you should because. I loved the line where she said, um, what's worse than going through the motions is not even like trying to do the motions. Yeah. And she's like, we have to keep the romance alive because we've been together this long and we just, we have to do this. We have to keep showing each other how much we love each other. And I I cried. I think it's because it just made me excited to marry Rachel. And I was like, yeah. I'm excited to be like nine years in with Rachel and, and still like doing things for her uh and i don't know i just i really like loved tom and lynette in this moment and it was just so sweet and i think the longer we get into the series the closer those actors feel and their chemistry just feels so lived in in a way that is like cozy and yeah i don't know it made me really emotional i really loved this scene i think it's great for those actors to have such um hearty emotional scenes Mm -hmm. together because yeah it just it just builds their chemistry even more yeah and what made me cry specifically was when he raises his coffee and he's like to nine years i was like oh (laughs) Uh, it just made me really happy i i I really loved that yeah and then we cut to the ending monologue it came so soon come on rex wrap this baby up (laughs) Uh, If you take a drive down any street in suburbia, you'll see the same look on every man's face. Apparently. It is the look of his dreams never going to come true. No life free from scandal. No having a baby boy. (laughs) Uh, And there's, there's like one other one, right? 
something like that like i'll never hold her again it's basically like yeah. all the guys uh and their dreams just kind being of shattered. being dashed but there's sometimes and it's rare but there's one lucky son of a bitch <laughs> Uh, who has all of his dreams come true. And you can tell who that is because he can't stop smiling. And we end the episode on Tom and Lynette making out and Tom just giving us the biggest <laughs> smile ever, which is cute. It's so cute. Rachel, um, have, you, have you ever seen the Rudolph uh, Christmas special? No. Uh, I've only seen one of those and it was with you last year, remember? <laughs> when it was Christmas and we watched the... The uh, You're Without Santa Claus? Oh, yes. Uh, well, the Rudolph one is very cute. And there is a scene where Rudolph has his little girlfriend. And she's like, I think you're cute. And so he flies around and goes, she thinks I'm cute. And she, he says, cute. And uh, now I say it all the time. And that's what Tom was emitting in that moment was just like, Aww. she thinks I'm cute. Uh, I... I smiled so big. I love the idea that Tom's dreams have all come true because he has a wife he loves, kids he loves, and his pizza parlor is open, and it's just sweet. Yeah, I'm happy for the Scavos. <laughs> yeah. So happy for uh, and that is the end of episode season three. 16 i never have ended the episodes i'm just realizing um Um, the title was called my husband the pig it was it it was oh cool no you got it i'm great at this i should do this more often i love that um that is amazing we need a lesbian of the episode our nominees were crazy dancer 206 and gabby i i could go either way um Let's go Crazy Dancer 206 because we'll never see her again. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Rest in peace, Crazy Dancer 206. We we still got to do an Alma send-off. Oh, we do. I just realized we haven't done It's fine. It'll happen when it happens. It'll we can do that this week or something. Yeah, yeah. We can find some time. It's all right. And if you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Wisteria Gaze or on Instagram at Wisteria Gaze underscore or on our website, wisteria.gay. And on that website, you can find our merch page. You can find our Discord. You can find our Patreon. Patreon is great. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's lovely. It's beautiful. It helps support us and the show. Our Patreon is pay what you can with a minimum of $2 and you get access to everything. So much bonus content. We're going to put more up. It's going to be great. Yeah. You get our episode show notes. Mine never makes sense ever. (laughs) Uh, You get access to ad-free episodes. You get access to, we just started doing um, some watch-alongs. We just watched John Tucker Must Die, so please go check that out. We got to do another watch-along. I am so ready to do another one. Should we do um, Patreon-suggested watch-alongs? Yes. We need to, like, yeah, like, let us know what movies you want to watch with us, and we will watch them with you. Yeah, if you're a member of our Patreon, just send us a message. Yeah. Uh, And you get episode shout-outs. So we want to take the next minute to shout-out our patrons. Amanda. Annie. Kaylin. Cheryl. Drusilla LaFay. Elise. Helena. Kim. Liv. Lydia. Nadia. Sarah Schroeder. Sarah Swihart. And Tom. Woo! I love you all. You're all so great. Yes! Do you know what I love? 
Tell me. Reviews. <gasps> Reviews are great. They help us. They help the show. They help yeah. people find the show so there's yes. more people to hang out with and listen to the show. Ooh. At the end of each review... We like posting a question to get those juices flowing. That's review juices. And this week, I think the question should be, what is on your uh, Eagle State dating profile picture? <laughs> or dating profile. Yes. <laughs> like, what is your what is your blurb? Oh, like the tagline, like how Crazy Dancer 206 mm-hmm. was like, girl seeks boy to dance the night away with. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, like, what's your tagline? I think mine is... Um, Dyke seeks MILF to be my sugar mommy. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Cause that's that's if I'm going on a dating profile, uh, I need to I, I wanna have a rich MILF uh, take care of me and love me. I mean, I also want that. Is the thing. We can have the same we have a dual profile. We're like we're a package deal. You, uh, <laughs> we're looking for a third, but specifically a, a rich MILF. <laughs> You is yeah, it's a it's a package deal. You can you can, you, you get a dyke and a trans guy, and you can pick. <laughs> uh, <laughs> we go together like seven eleven. We go. Yeah. So and it's uh it's a picture of us like back to back with our <laughs> with like fists under our chins. Can we were doing turtlenecks. Yes. Can and we our, actually? The next time we are able to see each other in real life, mm-hmm. can we? <laughs> I I don't I don't know if we'll be able to get turtlenecks by then, but we can at we least do take have, a photo. We do have our scream shirts. We mm-hmm. we take a we take that picture. <laughs> we should we should we're overdue for another photo shoot. Remember our our OG was yeah. photo shoot that was iconic. Okay, let's do another one. We gotta do another one. We're almost on two years doing this. One year. Our anniversary is two coming years. up. I have it. I have it written down somewhere. I will remember eventually. But yeah, I think in a couple months, our two-year anniversary as a podcast is coming. That's up. fucking crazy. Time went by too fast. <laughs> I cannot believe we've been doing this for two years because it also means it's been two years of a pandemic because we also started this like right at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyway <laughs> when you leave your review let us know what your you know eagle state dating profile says and if you would like to find me on social media you can find me at garfield's penis <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Mackenzie wilkes on twitter Mackenzie. Nah. dare i say mj <gasps> dare i say nedley I love you. I love you. If everyone else out there, stay juicy. Stay juicy and out of my swamp. Onion. 